will be damned if the same politicians who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. Correction. Hello, everybody. It's me, Miss Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, that's Caitlin, <laughs> and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks in the mirror and says, she's a woman! And for the people who love them. Every week, we talk to incredible women from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. So, Caitlin, it's snowing outside. You're living your whole winter fantasy. I'm slowly beginning to settle into the reality of 2021. And I want to ask you how you've been doing with your goals. I've been doing pretty good, to be honest. My goal of going to the gym five times a week, not so much. But I have been exercising five times a week, even if it's not at the gym. And also my other goal was to read 50 books this year, which is like basically one book a week. And I've been doing that. I'm on book number eight right yeah. now. Jesus. And we're on in eight weeks in yeah. to 2021 as we're recording this. So I'm pretty on track, to be honest. Okay, I have my list of books right here. Yeah, how have you been doing? Your goal was two books a month, right? Yes. Okay. I've read I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by mm-hmm. Rachel Bloom. I read Play Your Way Sane by Clay Drinko. I read Beowulf by Maria Devonna Headley, and I read God, I Feel Modern Tonight by Kat Cohen. That's four books. It's, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're on track. I'm on track. Yeah. And currently I'm reading The Year of Yes by Maria Devonna Headley, which is oh. her memoir about the year that she spent saying yes to every single person that asked her out. And it's really good. I might have to borrow that one yeah. from you. It's crazy to hear her talk about dating because she's clearly read every book in the entire world and she's <laughs> so smart. And hearing her talk about something as simple as dating is funny. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say, clearly it's funny because she's smarter than anyone she's ever dated. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. She's definitely smarter than everyone. So anyway, that's how we're doing with our goals this year. If you are listening, write in and tell us how you are doing with yours. You can just DM us at She's a Woman Podcast on Instagram and we'll tell you something encouraging, you know? Yeah, you can do it. Yes, you can. (laughs) You can do it. If we're doing ours, you can do yours. But anyway, you know what it's time for, Caitlin. I want to dive right into our serious groundbreaking interview. But first, I have a little treat for you. Every week, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about teamwork, Caitlin. (laughs) We love that. We love it. We are a team. We are a team, (laughs) and we work whenever we can. (laughs) Now, this isn't piping hot news, but it's brand new to me. I've just learned that coyotes and badgers hunt together as teams all across America. That's right. The fast-running fox and the deep-digging badger team up in pairs or groups of three to put their skills together so they can catch more prey, even if it means they have to split what they get in the end. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing because you don't, I don't know, I don't normally pair them together in my mind. Yeah. 
And when I look at the pictures, which we're going to put up on our Instagram, yes, they're just <laughs> so adorable. These two little fellas running around. Yeah, they're really cute. Or ladies because of feminism. It's true. You know, just running around and being a team. According to treehugger.com, each member of this motley hunting party has a distinct set of skills. Coyotes are nimble and quick, so they excel at chasing prey across an open prairie. Badgers are slow and awkward runners by comparison, but they're great diggers, having evolved to pursue animals in underground burrow systems. So when it comes to hunting, they're better off together than they are alone. So cute. (laughs) They are really cute. Uh, What's more, according to National Geographic, the partnership may even extend beyond the business of hunting into friendship. Recent videos show coyotes and badgers being playful with one another in a way that's more than just utilitarian. So it's not just business, Caitlin. Aww. I love that because I feel like there's always all these research questions about how animals' brains work compared to humans. Do they experience things like yeah. grief and friendship? Mm-hmm. And I love when there's proof that they do. They're just... They want friends just like humans do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you think about it, some of these badgers have a pet dog, you know? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Caitlin, this is really really tough for you in 2021 because everyone and badgers have a dog and you don't. (laughs) It's true. Every single person has a dog. (sighs) Anyway, people have known about this badger and coyote friendship for a long time. Native American mythology is filled with references to this unlikely pairing. But for some reason, so many of us don't know about it. I love this story because it shows a side of nature that we don't pay attention to. And it makes me wonder what other kinds of teamwork we're missing out on because we're so convinced that nature is all about a battle to the death, which it's not. Yeah, they have nice little personalities and Mm -hmm. families and teams and friendships just like us. Just like us. And I think of different things like, you know, those birds that live on the back of elephants and alligators and eat the scraps, you know? They're 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 friends too. too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I just thought this was good news because it shows a different side of nature, a different side of the world, and a happier perspective on things. All right, let's take a quick break. Think about that. And we'll be (laughs) right back. Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much. We're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. But now it's time for our very exciting interview. And Caitlin, do you remember how we were introduced to this subject? We were walking along the street in Brooklyn one night, right? That's what I remember too. I remember us walking down a street in Brooklyn going somewhere and we saw this laundromat and we were like, wow, it looks really cool and interesting and modern. And what is that? Oh, it's a laundromat. And then we were just kind of like, kind of always wondering and interested for like a couple of years now. And it turns out that this laundromat is run by these two amazing ladies who are actually sisters. So we're going to talk to them today about how they made this business, which has kind of gotten a lot of media attention for being just like the dream place to do your laundry in a a city where people hate doing their laundry because it's usually hell. And you have to like haul your clothes down to a dirty laundry mat Mm -hmm. where it's just, it's normally not a pleasant experience. 
And I feel like this laundromat, they made it very chic and stylish and comfortable. <laughs> it's an experience. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk to the ladies behind it. All right, everybody. Karina and Teresa Williams are the sisters behind Celsius, the modern eco-friendly laundromat in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Celsius is not your typical laundromat. It's the kind of place where you want to spend an entire afternoon which is not the kind of thing one normally says about a laundromat. It's bright, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's quiet. They took one of the worst parts about New York City living and made it into one of the best. And now they're here to talk with us all about it. So welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yay. First of all, there are so many changes and challenges for business owners in 2021, from storms to a pandemic to a continuing recession. What has 2021 been like for you so far? Well, I mean, so far, it's really unfortunately been a continuing of 2020, which no one wanted or needed. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, we as a small brick and mortar business had to make so, so many changes to deal with the pandemic. As you mentioned, our big thing was having everyone come together, do laundry and not have it be the worst part of your week, but actually one of the those days and one of those things you actually look forward to. And we were very much geared towards self-service. So everyone coming in, doing their own loads. And the big pivot that we had to make is actually accepting drop-off only to keep our staff safe, first and foremost, and obviously also our customers safe. So we're we're still now like a year in operating under drop-off only. But So yeah, sadly, whoever comes to Celsius now cannot actually make use of the bright and airy and friendly space that you mentioned. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's hard, but, you know, we're obviously still trying to make it a really, really great experience. Everybody who works front of house tries to, you know, just put a smile on everybody's face. Exceptional customer service has always been like a huge part of our business. Um, We put all of our plans up front so that when you walk in, you still feel like you're in a jungle and it's, it's bright and warm, you know, all these little things. But what's when, you know, when you mentioned the recession, what's really interesting is that when we started doing the initial research for opening a laundromat, everyone was like, laundromats are great. It's a recession proof business. Everyone is going to have to do laundry, no matter what the rest of the economy is doing. What nobody told us is that in a way, it's also pandemic proof right? because we are considered an essential business. So we didn't have any major restrictions from, say, like the city or the state. We didn't have a lot of restrictions in terms of how we conduct our business and everything. Operate, yeah. Everything that we implemented, we did based on our own research and based on what we thought was safe. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's our 2021 so far, kind of the same as 2020, but, you know, we're continuing to to make it work. Yeah. And I'm bringing a baby to work. That's the one change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a baby on Thanksgiving Day. Um, she's now, yeah, almost three months old. And, uh, yeah, she's she's coming to work with me every day. That's one of the, the silver linings, definitely, for us from 2020. Yeah, I was going to say, because there, it must bring you so much joy to be able to have a new life join you in your new business, you know. So 
one of the things that makes me really happy is the idea that all your plants are up front because I'm a huge plant lover. I'm, I am a, what they call a plant dad, um, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. We need to send you photos. Yeah. It's really cute. Please, please do. We'll put them on our <laughs> podcast Instagram so that everyone can Love see. It. Do you name your plants or are there just too many at this point? There's actually too many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a wonderful so. thing. You have a plant zoo. <laughs> Wait, do you name your plants? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Phil and Lily and Myrtle and uh, Steve Aww. and all of the all of my little plant <laughs> friends. I mean, for me, I have a I have a much smaller world right now, you know, as we all do sure. in recession. So these are my closest friends at this point. What's funny about talking to you about all this is that I'm not the first person to interview you about Celsius. You've been kind of bombarded by the media for some time now. Did you ever imagine that opening a laundromat would create such a splash? When we did the initial research for opening up a laundromat and kind of put together the concept for for what we wanted Celsius to be and what we wanted Celsius to look like, we did definitely gear it towards, you know, making it something that would be like adopted by the press, hopefully pretty easily. Um, so that that definitely was part of part of the plan. Obviously, we weren't expecting the, as you mentioned, onslaught of interview requests. That's just been obviously fantastic and so helpful in spreading the word about Celsius. And especially in the beginning, you know, as with any business, you you open up and you really heavily rely on people spreading the word for you. So having all that great press definitely helped getting the word out and, and getting Celsius off the ground. And now that, you know, we're not currently operating as a self-service laundromat and we had to pivot to drop off only and also, you know, building out our online retail business, which is something that, you know, we kind of ran on the side more when we were still doing self-service and then has now actually become quite an important pillar of, of our business. It's great to still have, you know, all those requests rolling in for press and it just helps us, you know, spread the word about Celsius further than our Brooklyn block and, you know, into um, other corners of, of the United States and the world. And thankfully, people living in those other corners can now even, you know, order a little bit um, of Celsius to come to their homes and, and they can do their laundry more sustainably at home. That's so cool. I just have to say that as we were mentioning a little bit before we started recording, Caitlin and I happened upon your laundromat while we were walking through Brooklyn one time. And there's just something about it that makes you want to be involved more than just going there. You want to be involved somehow in the vision. And I think it's because there's a sense of you two as a team and a story and just something that is like almost a, it's a laundromat fairy tale. And I, and I love that. <laughs> I love it. I, I think yeah. we might have to steal that. <laughs> the laundromat fairy tale. So I want to rewind a little bit. Sure. One of my favorite parts of the podcast is hearing the stories of incredible women from the very beginning. And I know you grew up in a tiny farming town in Germany where your parents taught you about the value of eco-friendly lifestyle. Can you yeah. talk about growing up together and 
how your parents made that impression on you? So we, as you said, we grew up in this very tiny town in in Bavaria in Germany, which is a really beautiful region. It's close to the Alps. It's really green and there's mountains and lakes. And we, so we moved there when we were, I think I was six, Teresa was three, but our mom actually grew up in that town as well. So she built a home for us in that town that was completely toxin-free from kind of natural materials, which in the early, it was in the early nineties, not a small feat considering that there was no internet or anything to like research all of these materials and non-toxic pains, but she did it. And that was, I think one of the kind of earlier memories of eco-friendly living that she was able to impart on us. And then I think just in general, growing up in Germany during that time, living kind of an organic lifestyle wasn't big yet, but it was definitely way more established than in the United States at the time. So just kind of, you know, learning about where your food comes from, you know, how to seek out food that is pesticide free. Also, you know, recycling, another thing that you know, was not, it still isn't as big in the United States, unfortunately, as I think it should be. That's like, it's a huge day in Germany. Like recycling day is amazing. Everything gets separated. The whole family's in on it. Like, wow. You know, you separate glass by color, for example, there's like big bins. There's like brown glass, glass, green glass. glass. Yeah. And everything gets packed up um, in like boxes and carts. You go to the recycling place and like you as a kid, like you have to throw everything in the right bin. So if you make a mistake, it's like, you know, this isn't great because now the glass bottle can't be recycled properly. So this is really how you learn. It's a, yeah, it's a whole, it's a family affair. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously since we grew up in such a rural setting, I think, yeah, another early memory is just us being outside pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, we farmed potatoes in our backyard. Like that was a thing that no one wanted to do, but a couple of days in the summer, we just, you know, we had to harvest potatoes. That was just normal. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, we had chickens running around in the backyard and yeah, it all sounds very, very bucolic. Yeah. But yeah, it was a fun, (laughs) it was a, it was a fun, fun childhood. I picture you opening like a lemonade stand at a very early age. (laughs) Were you, were you always business women? Is was that like in your blood from the beginning? We actually weren't that entrepreneurial. I think what really drove us to wanting to own our own business is that, so we, we both kind of pursued different career paths, but then we're both major, major workaholics. Um, Right. So we were both kind of ended up working in more creative fields. And it's, it's really hard when you're working from someone for someone else, but you're basically working your own project. It was just really hard for us to separate ourselves from our work. So we would be putting in crazy hours, hours. you know, all nighters, weekends for, you know, basically other people's businesses. Um, And that's really where I think at some point we said, you know, why don't we do something? Not knowing that that something would be a launch 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 launch. launch. Obviously. (laughs) So Karina, 
I know you worked for some time as an editor for German L magazine. Can you talk a little bit about that time in your life and especially expand on what you're talking about a little bit, that feeling of working for someone else's vision and when you sort of knew that you wanted to move outward from that? Sure, absolutely. I... So as you said, I did work as um, a, a fashion writer for, for Elle magazine um, in Germany and then moving to New York, which was in 2012, I was the U.S. editor-at-large for, for Harper's Bazaar Germany. So I worked in, in fashion media for quite a few years and it was... Again, it was a lovely time. I got to meet so many interesting people. It was fashion. So it was at the time is, you know, really, really fun. And just somehow, especially working, working in, in New York with my publishing house in Germany, I kind of had, you know, this great freedom of exploring, exploring my own world in, in New York City and then just having to report back, right. report back to Germany. That said, especially the time difference between Germany and, and here, the United States contributed to the fact that I was sort of on the clock all the time. And right. people back in Germany were expecting you to be on the clock when they were on the clock, which was six like, hours they're six hours ahead. ahead. Yeah, they're six yeah. hours ahead. Exactly. So yeah, as Teresa mentioned, a lot of hours for someone else. Yeah. That said, I don't think I would have ventured into the laundry business if it hadn't been for my upbringing, if you will, in in the fashion industry, just because, and this is funnily enough, a question that we, we get a lot. It's like, oh, you used to work in fashion. Like, how did you come to open the laundromat? And I'm like, you know, every piece of fashion will become laundry at some point. So <laughs> to, you know, it's, True. And and to to me and to us, I think that connection was always very clear. And it's still it's still a mystery to me that it's not been explored and even exploited more. But, you know, good, good for us. <laughs> yeah. In New York, where you have one of the most fashion conscious populations in the country, you would think that we would have these brilliant futuristic laundromats everywhere because everyone would want their things taken care of beautifully. And it's right. just like... They're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. Now, I know that, Karina, you kind of interrupted Teresa's life with this uh, <laughs> this vision. Yes. Guilty. Guilty as charged. What were you doing before uh, you were <laughs> girl interrupted? <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I was not in New York. I was actually living in London. Um, mm -hmm. So I had studied product design in London, started then working, I mean, also kind of in fashion accessories, I started working for um, a small eyewear company. So I was designing and making glasses for film, fashion, and just regular consumers. But I was, I was definitely at that point where it was like, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision. Am I going to settle in London and, you know, maybe get a place there, buy a house, or do I want like another step? another, you know, challenge, challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, when Corinna came to me with that idea, I said, why not? 
just going to move over here and we'll see if we're going to open a laundromat. And that was in 2014. And not so fast forward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but actually looking back, thinking that we started from scratch and we ended up signing a lease, a commercial 10 year lease in 2016. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff that happened in two years. We did a lot. We did a lot of legwork. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> the reason I ask these questions is because I love the idea that we can change the direction of our lives at any moment. Like if you're unhappy where you are or you see an opportunity, you can always take it. And I wondered if you guys could talk a little bit about your philosophy around that, about making big pivots. I mean, I feel like I've pivoted twice. Like I, yeah, two major, major pivots in in my life. So I studied international relations kind of with the idea of becoming a diplomat or at least, you know, working for an international organization and, and, and traveling the world. And funnily enough, kind of midway into my studies, I realized that well, if I, if I wanted to do that and kind of go down that career path, I would end up most likely having to work with and or represent a government of either, you know, Germany, which is one of my home countries or the United States. Our dad is American actually. So we're, we're dual citizens. And I, I, I came to this realization that I wasn't really comfortable with that. So when I, I I still finished my studies because I loved I loved just studying the subject, but then decided to go into into journalism. So that's how I ended up working for for Elle magazine. I started as an intern and then kind of worked my way up. So that was sort of the first major pivot. And it's I think definitely my personal philosophy is is that you and Teresa mentioned this previously, like you can always pivot um, and you can reinvent yourself, but you definitely have to do the legwork and you can't be afraid to, you know, start at the bottom. And, and, you know, that's, that's essentially what I did with working for, for Elle. Um, You know, I started all the way at the bottom as an intern and just kind of worked my way up gradually. And then, yeah, once I left my, my job as an editor for for Harper's Bazaar, it was, you know, just having to do this crash course in laundry, which is, I mean, unfortunately, there's, there's no university for that. And it was a really, really steep learning curve. And it was like, it, it's humbling. It's, yeah. it's really. And it's also really scary. Yeah. I true. will have to say, like, I'm a, I'm, I have a, a natural aversion to change. I'm a creature of habit. I'm an introvert. So honestly, looking back, there's, you know, these major pivots or, you know, major life decisions that I made also studying abroad where I'm like, I can't, I honestly can't believe I did that. Like I'm a, I'm a shy, you know, introverted person. I can't believe I just like woke up one day and said, I'll just, you know, move somewhere else and like start a business. But, you know, I still, I still somehow, you know, found, the strength to do it. So, you know, if I can do yeah. it, most people can do it. You just <laughs> need to wake up and decide to do it. <laughs> For our listeners, 
what had happened was Karina was in New York City and saw this huge hole in the market and and saw the fact that there could be a great laundromat that wouldn't ruin people's fashion, wouldn't ruin their clothes every time it came back. And you decided to launch it and you called your sister in London and, uh, (laughs) and said, let's come here. Let's make this a reality. So I so uh, wish, sorry to enter. I so wish I had a recording of that conversation. That's what I want to hear about. I want to hear about that conversation. (laughs) Can you tell me? I don't remember a specific conversation. I think, I mean, that's another thing. When you look back, you're always like, wow, how did I just do that? But I think the thing is, everything is more gradual while it's actually happening. So I think what what had happened is that Corinna had, I think you had this, you had this drive, you had this need to kind of do your own thing. But it wasn't initially a laundromat. I feel like there were some other ideas that were being thrown around. And I think it was a were there though? <laughs> were, I think, Wait, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it started more with more of like a cleaning com- I don't know. I feel like it was not one like out of the blue conversation type thing. I, I do not recall. <laughs> But I think it's always like that in life. Like, you know, it's like a step by step. So I think I, again, I can't believe we can't really remember that. But I think I had some time to play with the idea and to get used to it. And that's probably ultimately why I decided (laughs) to go for it. But yeah, it wasn't like a big reveal. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't that one. No, it wasn't that one that phone call. No. No. What what made you realize that you would be a great team and not kill each other? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that's another interesting thing. So we're three years apart, which when you're younger is is actually quite a lot. So like when Corinna was a teenager, I was still a kid, so we couldn't really do anything. When I was a teenager, she'd already moved out. So yeah. we always got along, but we weren't that close. It like was not tight knit. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like we were, you know, on the phone with each other all day long, especially, you know, when we were both in college or, you know, in our first jobs, you know, we always got along, but yeah, it, we weren't that close. But I think we inherently had a ton of trust in each other and a ton of trust in our, in our abilities. So for me, I think now that we're talking about it, I think for me, that was another reason why this move and this decision didn't seem that scary because I knew I was doing it with my sister. And I knew that if we were working together, it was going to be great. Like that was just, again, another thing that's just like really, really hard to put a finger on, but I just, right. We just knew that that wouldn't be the hard part. There was going to be a lot of other things that were going to be really, really hard. But working together wasn't going to be the difficult part. And I think for me, it was always really clear that if I ever were to go into business with someone, it would be with Teresa, like 100%. 
Our skill sets also complement each other That's really true. well. We're not in each other's business. Business, <laughs> quite right. literally. Yeah, <laughs> we're in this. It's the same business, but we we can divide and conquer yeah. pretty well. One of the great things about your story, as well, is that you didn't go it alone when you came to putting this together. You reached out to someone who could help you at the very beginning of developing the business, so that you didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Yes. Can you talk a- about the importance of Ooh. reaching? out to like not just delegate but to seek guidance when it's the when the time is right oh so important and it's still something that i will admit i'm not great at is same asking, yeah asking for help it's yeah it's the most important thing and i remember really early on when i had formed the idea that you know i wanted to build this better laundromat. And I I started researching and, you know, looking at other countries and, and other states in, in the US that had some of those better laundromats that that I found inspirational. I I made the choice to just reach out and, and cold email all of these laundromat owners and just ask them for advice. And I was actually really surprised that you know, I didn't get an answer from everyone, but a good 60% did respond and was able to kind of just, you know, point us in the right direction or just share a little bit of their, their experience in the industry. And in the end, that was just super, super helpful. And one of those emails that came back then actually led us to our, our mentor who actually helped us kind of get Celsius off the ground. So it's like without that, you know, initial reach out without that initial cold email blast. Yeah. I don't think we would be here today. Yeah. That's so amazing. I I find that a lot of times people think that they have to do everything by themselves. But when you reach out to people, they can give you tips that you never thought you would never think of, or you wouldn't be able to find in a book. So I just thought that was a really beautiful part of your story that you had people willing to offer that to you. And I think it doesn't matter what career field you're in. If you know that skill and you're open to doing that, you're going to make your life so much easier. Now, A lot of people, and myself included, think that you have to have $1 million to start a shiny new business. And one of the big things I admire about the way you opened your laundromat was that you did a lot of eco-friendly and wallet-friendly repurposing and upcycling of Craigslist items. Can you talk about your creative philosophy when it came to being eco and wallet-friendly when you were opening Celsius? Yes, absolutely. Well... Straight off the bat, we don't want to give the wrong impression. Opening a laundromat is still a really, really capital intensive endeavor. Um, (laughs) Just because, you know, things like the infrastructure itself, the The equipment equipment, itself is obviously, it's a really, it's a big investment. It's a really big investment, especially if you're bootstrapping it. So that definitely needs to be said. But with everything else, we really wanted to make use of what was already in the space when we rented it. And then we just wanted to get creative with, as you mentioned, um, like materials that we sourced on Craigslist that we that we found sometimes on 
on the street, reused, recycled, just because we also really wanted the space to not be generic and sterile. So the design vision from the get-go was to create something that is clean, but also having a lot of warmth. We weren't going to achieve that by just, you know, buying everything, everything brand new. So we did really fun things like making stools out of the pallets that the washers came on. Some of the flooring that was actually, it was like cork flooring in the space. When we first rented it, we turned that into an accent wall. So we saved everything while we were doing demo. I knew I wanted to have a lot of stone and marble just because we we had to have really durable material since everything was going to be in in heavy in heavy usage. And those are that just, was a that was a big Craigslist haul. I remember that, that. Was a it crazy was like Craigslist. Haul. It was like in August, and then it was like one of those bazillion degree days, and we yes wait we rented a U-Haul and went to someone's backyard essentially for yes. all these marble scraps. Yes. Like a ton of marble scraps. And we loaded them into the van. Like just it was wet. crazy. Like everyone was drenched. Yeah. It was wild. it was absolutely crazy. It was a complete boot camp workout. Yes. Um we got these beautiful marble scrap pieces that we turned into the mosaic tables that are in our backyard. And, and those were definitely the details that if we bought things, quote unquote, like off the rack, it would have really ballooned our budget to a point where it would have been a problem. So yeah. we yeah. have to get crafty, but it also really worked with our philosophy. So it was, yeah. that wasn't even really, that wasn't even really a, a question. And we were incredibly hands-on during the build out process. So a lot of the stuff I just ended up. Mostly you were. I'm useless. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, Corinna can put together like an Ikea cabinet. Um, if my if my if my life depended on it, I, I just can't. I, I just can't. So, you know, I built I built the deck in the backyard, actually, with Corinna's now husband. First deck I ever built. Maybe the last. We'll see. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the deck was wild. But yeah, everything everything came out really nice. And then, you know, seeing our customers enjoy the space the way that they've had, as you've mentioned before, getting that incredible press also from design magazines and getting compliments from architects. It's really, it really, really means a lot. We put a lot into the space. So yeah, having having people enjoy it is the biggest compliment. Yeah. So one of the things I'm wondering right now, I didn't even write this question down, but a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are in my mind, bright young women with bright futures. And I kind of want to know, as business women, is there advice that you would give specifically to young women that want to launch their own businesses too? I think one of one of the most important things that that I learned throughout this journey was not to take no for an answer. And that sounds, it sounds really cliche, but it is, it, it rang really true, especially for our journey. And I think it's, it's something that, you know, every new entrepreneur, everyone who, who wants to start a new business will, will have to face at one point is, you know, having that, door slammed in your face and and just being told no oh you can't 
do this? Like, why would you want to do this? This is too expensive. You're too inexperienced. You're too young. You're too this and that. Do not take that at face value. If you have a vision and you have the drive and you have a great idea, go for it. Another door will open even if that one door just got slammed in your face. Yeah. That's that that's that's yeah. my, my yeah, two we, cents. We definitely but. had a good handful of moments where we could have given up and we chose not to. And I would definitely add if you can find a partner in crime, I don't think I mean I oh, don't, yeah. I know for certain that neither of us could have survived this on our own. So it doesn't have to be a sibling, but, you know, find someone that shares your vision with you that you can trust because you're, you're going to have some low points and you're going to have some pretty low points and it's going to be great to have somebody else who's like in the trenches with you. That really hits home for me too, because I mean, my producer here, Caitlin is sort of my co-pilot in life and drag has a lot of low points, especially in a pandemic Mm. where you can't perform. And there's been days where I have been near tears or Caitlin's been near tears, but they're usually a different day than your partner is on, you know, so you're able to like haul each other through. And that is such an important thing. It's like, oh yeah, I was crying yesterday, but today (laughs) I'm up so I can pull you through, you know? Yeah. 100%. That is so true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Well, thank you so much, so much for joining me on the podcast today. Everybody check out She's a Woman podcast, the Instagram, and have a look at some of the beautiful images of Celsius and these two incredible business ladies, because whether or not you're in Williamsburg, there are so many ways to enjoy Celsius and the philosophy around it. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Such a fun interview. Okay, Craitlin, that was our interview for this week. Wasn't that a fun one? That was a nice one. I feel like I'm now inspired to try to be even more eco-friendly. And and they have a website where you can buy like eco-friendly laundry stuff. Oh I'm God. like, maybe I should purchase something. Right. It also makes me really sad that my laundromat is just one of the sad New York ones, you yeah. know? Sudsy Waters or whatever it's called. <laughs> Sudsy <laughs> Waters, yeah. Not much special I going know, on there. It's kind of a, I wish we, I mean, obviously pandemic right now, but I wish their laundromat was closer to where we live. Oh, absolutely. I love the fact that Karina just came back from maternity leave as a businesswoman. Yeah. Showing that you can have your own business, you can be a mom, you can have all of your dreams come true, and they don't have to get in the way of each other. It was another example where she didn't take no for an answer. Yeah, you can have it all. You can have want. it all yeah. if you want. Yeah, yeah. And it all means literally just whatever you want to yeah, be part of your yeah. life. Yeah. But... Enough about that. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Now, first of all, I have to say this again. If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and review it. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show. Caitlin, today we have a very special review, don't we? That's right. This one is actually an email. It's from the mother of our guest last week, Dr. Norella Zork, and she says, Ms. Cracker, I sent you a message yesterday after listening to the podcast with my precious daughter, 
Dr. Noelle Witzork. I just want to make sure you receive my heartfelt thanks. First, what you are doing is noble and important. So thank you very much. As a gynecologist, I work with women of all ages, and it still amazes me and makes me angry, the little encouragement they receive from their families, especially from their mothers. Second, listening to the part where you and Noelia discuss my journey brought tears to my eyes. You are very kind and insightful. A perfect woman, beautiful inside and out. Thank you so much. Things that we love and that love us back, moms. Moms, yeah. We love them. We love them. <laughs> There's been this like Twitter thing going around where moms identify different drag queens. Oh, and it's TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I know. TikTok. And they always like, whoever else they struggle with, they know who Miss Cracker is. Like so. instantly, without taking a breath. They always recognize Miss Cracker. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel like... When I look down uh, the line at a meet and greet and I see just moms and daughters, I'm like, I'm doing my thing. She's a woman, you know? So thank you to our special guest, Noelia, and her mother, and for making us feel like we're doing something here. (laughs) But enough about that. It's time for my favorite part of the podcast, Caitlin, the Uh. credits. (laughs) This podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham, and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin, and it is distributed by the amazing Studio 71. So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's a woman, and I'll be with you. And welcome back to the studio, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, so glad. (laughs)